practitioners, meditators, and channelers of chi. Welcome to Everyday Sublime, the podcast that sheds light on yin yoga and meditation. I'm your host, Josh Summers, and I'm a yin yoga and meditation teacher and trainer, as well as a licensed acupuncturist. This podcast is intended to be an in-depth exploration of the intersections between yin yoga, Chinese medicine, and meditation. Each episode will offer a 10 to 15 minute reflection on one or several of these themes. And my hope is that these reflections both support your practice and or your teaching of yin yoga and meditation. In this episode, I'll continue and actually finish my introductory series on Chinese medical theory. Here, I'll be looking more closely at the Chinese conception of organs. And our organ systems in Chinese medicine are very valuable to us. Our health depends on our organs' ability to produce, store, and circulate the vital substances that I referred to in the previous lessons. In this episode, I'll be taking a closer look at the Chinese conception of organs and how that conception converges and diverges with the Western conception of organs. So let's get started. Discussing the Chinese organ systems, it is often suggested that you need to think of the Chinese organs in an entirely different manner from the way their Western counterparts are referred to. In other words, a kidney in Chinese medicine is not a kidney in Western biomedical medicine, and never the twain shall meet. In his influential and early book attempting to explain Chinese medicine to a Western audience, the author Ted Kapchuk in The Web That Has No Weaver writes, Quote, the tendency of Chinese thought is to seek out dynamic functional activity rather than to look for fixed somatic structures that perform those activities. End quote. Said slightly differently, in developing their understanding of internal medicine, the Chinese focused more on understanding the activity or functions associated with a particular organ system rather than focusing and studying and observing the activity of an organ as being somewhat limited to its discrete location and or physical structure. For example, in Western medicine, the kidneys are primarily involved in the functions of filtering blood and forming urine, thereby contributing to the homeostasis of body fluids. And in some sense, these functions are directly related to the physicality of the organ itself. The kidneys look and function like filtration systems. But in Chinese medicine, the term kidneys, always spelled with a capital K, is really more of an umbrella term for a variety of functional activities and functional relationships and holistic connections associated with the activity of the kidney energy. In Chinese medicine, the kidney energy regulates or governs water, similar to the Western description I just said, but there are a whole host of other functions not normally attributed to the Western organ's function. For Chinese medicine, the kidneys are holistically involved with storing our essence, which from a previous lesson you'll remember that our essence is responsible for our growth, maturation, and development. The kidneys are involved with producing marrow for controlling our bones and nourishing our brain. The kidneys are involved with controlling our ability to receive qi and draw it into the body, retaining the qi that's drawn in from the lungs when we take a breath in. The kidneys are also related to our ears and support our ability to hear things clearly. 
the kidney energy from a Chinese perspective manifests in our hair. So if we have a strong head of hair, a full head of hair, our kidney energy is said to be strong, unlike mine. The kidneys also house a psychological aspect of our mind known as our willpower. And lastly, the Chinese medical theory believes that the kidneys store what's known as the gate of vitality. In Chinese, this is called Ming Men. And this is the seat of our vitality, sexual potency, and yang fire in our body. I'll be looking at all those functions more closely when I dive more specifically into the functions of the Chinese kidneys. But for now, I'm simply trying to articulate the different ways that Western medicine and Chinese medicine have conceived of the organs and their functions. Western medicine has a tendency towards reductionism, identifying functions related to the physical organ exclusively. In contrast, Chinese medicine has a tendency towards holism, identifying functions related to the organism as a whole, as a global entity. With Chinese medicine, the theory represents a landscape of functional relationships which provide total integration of bodily functions, emotions, mental activities, tissues, sense organs, and environmental influences. And because of this, there's been a long-standing mutual agreement of non-overlapping magisteria, to borrow a phrase from the late paleontologist Stephen Jay Gould. Western medicine is talking about one thing, and Chinese medicine, when speaking about the organ systems, is speaking about something entirely different. Giovanni Masciosha, in his classic textbook on Chinese medical theory, The Fundamentals of Chinese Medicine, summarizes this position of mutual exclusivity like this. Quote, when studying the Chinese theory of the internal organs, it is best to rid oneself of the Western concept of internal organs entirely. Western medicine sees each organ only in its material anatomical aspect, whereas Chinese medicine sees each organ as a complex system encompassing its anatomical entity and its corresponding emotion, tissue, sense organ, mental faculty, color, climate, and more. End quote. So this is the doctrinaire view. But perhaps this doctrinaire view of non-overlapping paradigms is itself a bit too rigid and myopic. This view of non-overlapping magisteria was certainly what I was taught when I was in acupuncture school, to think of these two models of understanding the organs as two very different models. But research over the last few decades has started to paint a very different picture. As Western science literally begins to peel back a new understanding of the function and integration of its, quote, Cinderella tissue, namely the connective tissue, a different picture may be coming into focus. With a potential biological substratum for the long-viewed mysterious meridians of Chinese medicine, new models of understanding our holistic connectivity are starting to emerge, which speak more directly to the functional connectivity of the body as a whole. An emergent field in Western medicine called functional medicine is now looking at human health as a functional whole by broadly observing how all the internal systems, including that of the organs, interact and support one another, leading towards health or becoming imbalanced, leading to disease. My own understanding of the similarity was awakened by Dr. Daniel Keown's book, The Spark and the Machine. Keown is a Western doctor who also trained in and now practices Chinese medicine. Through his writings alone, Keon conveys both a voluminous knowledge of both systems which put him in a uniquely qualified position, I feel, to better see and explain their convergences. For me, at least, a different model of understanding is starting to emerge around these two models of understanding 
human internal medicine. Rather than seeing Western medicine and Chinese medicine as separate, non-overlapping fields of medicine, it might be better to think of these two systems as just different lenses of perception and ways of describing and understanding the same phenomenon or same experience. In other words, one experience, different paradigms, and different kinds of conceptual language for describing the same process. Chinese language, at least to my ears, tends to describe these processes and dynamics more poetically. Their language is metaphorical, often drawing on images from nature and human governance to describe the various processes of human health. And within these poetics, a Western tendency for reductive specificity is lost, which has caused the Western model to be rather dismissive of of other systems. There's the view, we can't see it. Where's this mysterious life force you're calling chi? This must be superstitious voodoo. And I'll look at all the organ systems of Chinese medicine more closely in another series of lessons considering their functional overlap with Western organ counterparts. But for now, I think it's really important to look at the organs, the way the Chinese medical theory speaks about the organs, both in terms of yin and yang organs. Okay, so in Chinese medicine, the organs are classified into two categories. There are yin, or what are referred to as zang organs, and yang, or fu organs. Therefore, the Chinese name for all the internal organs is simply the zang fu. The term zang and fu both mean organ, And it's through an analysis of the Chinese characters for each that we might get a better understanding about what these two types of organs do. The character for Zhang has one part that indicates flesh and another part that indicates to store. This suggests that the Zhang, or yin organs, are involved with storing the vital substances. Here, vital substances refers to the various textures of energy or qi in the body that are vital for the maintenance of health and life. These vital substances include essence, our deepest, most distilled energy obtained primarily from our parents. It includes our blood, which is a denser manifestation of qi that nourishes the body and moistens our tissues. It includes our qi, a more immaterial, energetic intelligence that promotes transformation, circulation of other substances, as well as providing a mechanism for warming and protecting the body. And it also includes our fluids, whose function, again, is like similar to blood, is to moisten and nourish the skin and muscles, as well as moistening or thinning out the blood. From a Chinese analysis, the zang, or yin organs, are of vital importance towards maintaining and balancing our health. In addition to producing and storing these vital substances, the various yin organs are also functionally connected to a particular tissue in the body, to a particular sense organ, and also to a particular aspect of our psyche or spirit. Here we, again, see the holistic view within this practice or within this model. But, and this needs repeated emphasis, the yin organs in Chinese medicine are also bound to each other in holistic dynamics of support, control, and balance. As we'll see later, understanding what each yin organ does and what each yin organ is responsible for on its own is really a fragmentary picture of the larger network of interacting influence that they all play out together in the promotion of health and vitality. Nevertheless, the yin organs are the main primary players of Chinese medicine. Some systems list five of them, some systems list six yin organs, and this can be a bit confusing. The list of five yin organs always includes the kidneys, the liver, the spleen, 
the lungs, and the heart. In the list that includes six yin organs, the pericardium is listed as the sixth yin organ. But in many acupuncture systems or traditions, because the pericardium is really the protective sheath around the heart, its functions are subsumed under the domain of the heart's functions. And this view is the predominant one in traditional Chinese medicine. So going forward, I'll simply refer to as the five zang, or the five yin organs, kidneys, liver, spleen, lungs, and heart, which includes the pericardium. Structurally, the yin organs tend to be deeper in the body, and they tend to be more solid in nature related to their storing capacity. The one exception there being the lungs themselves, which are the hollow yin organ. Now, in contrast, the fu organs or yang organs are more hollow, and they're more empty in structure. The Chinese character for fu indicates, quote, a seat of government. This indicates that the yang organs are in charge of transforming food and drink to produce qi and blood, just as the government in ancient China was considered to be in charge of food distribution. So the yang organs tend to be hollow, allowing them to be filled and emptied. Filled with what? The raw materials of qi and blood. The yang organs receive food and fluids that we take in and begin to separate from these raw materials. They separate the pure qi from the impure. The yang organs pass on the pure qi to the yin organs, where the substances are further refined and then stored, and the yang organs pass along the unused, impure waste products further down the road to be eliminated. If you think about it, most of the what we call the alimentary canal in Western medicine is categorized by the six yang organs of Chinese medicine. So the six yang organs include the stomach, the small intestine, the large intestine, the bladder. Additionally, the Chinese include the gallbladder as a yang organ, as well as a curious organ called the triple burner or triple heater, which has no Western counterpart as an organ in Western medicine. But I'll say more about that one later. To put this all together, we have a picture of five zang or yin organs and six fu or yin organs, all part of an interconnected network of physiological and mental dynamics to promote health, vitality, and help us ward off disease. My favorite way of conceiving organ energy right now comes from Dr. Daniel Keon's book, The Spark of the Machine, where he describes the Chinese organs as centers of organizational intelligence. And I just want to read one paragraph from this, this book where Dr. Keon says, quote, this organization of the cells is called physiology, but when it goes wrong, it becomes pathology. In the body, pathology and disorder are really the same thing. And disorder can be characterized in certain ways. Disorder of organizational energy can be weak and ineffectual, or too strong and invading. It can be going the wrong way, or not going at all, or just plain going crazy. However, these are not just descriptions of how organizations can misbehave, but also the descriptions that Chinese medicine gives to qi pathology. When Chinese physicians talk about qi pathologies, that's, that is disease pathologies, they could equally be talking about how organization goes wrong in the body. So the organs from this view are really centers of organizational intelligence, ensuring that our qi is both sufficient and that it's flowing and being directed in the proper ways and channels to promote our health. Okay, so I will stop there for now. And in the next episode of Everyday Sublime, 
I'll be moving on to some topics that relate to the physical side of yin yoga again. I look forward to sharing that with you with insights from my practice to yours. If you'd like to follow along with Everyday Sublime, please subscribe in iTunes. I left a link for you in the show notes, or you can subscribe directly on my site at joshsummers.net forward slash subscribe. And if you'd like to study or train yin yoga with me, please check out yinyogaschool.com. Thanks so much for listening today, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. All the best. Thank you.